Welcome to the latest edition of SuccessCast. Thank you for joining. Uh, once again, this is a podcast for customer success practitioners by some people that might know something about customer success, possibly. Um, once again, <laughs> I am joined by Drew Gilbert and Kathleen Rouse. Thank you both for joining us this morning. And uh, today's topic is going to be a continuation of the conversation we had last time on scaling a customer success business what are the things that you need to watch out for and do when you're moving from having tens of or low hundreds of customers and a superhero driven process to one where you need to get more repeatable scalable measurable and all the types of things that come into place when you need to do that so with that in mind uh, drew uh, do you want to kick us off maybe with some thoughts as to areas we might want to dig into yeah, absolutely. So as a reminder, last week we, we talked more specifically about turning uh, things into those repeatable and scalable process. Uh, and, and as part of that, you start to learn uh, certain uh, characteristics and, and important variables about customers, about what makes them successful, right? And that's what helps allow you to create that repeatable process. And while we're talking about the customer success organization, that also starts to apply to the rest of the organization. So, for example, when you find out, you know, a repeatable process around a type of customer that that's very successful, that information can be shared back into marketing, and it also can be shared back into sales to help with targeting the right type of customer. And so, as as you start to target the right type of customer, then what happens is you start getting more and more customers who are actually purchasing the solution for the, the way that you can solve their problem or based on the way you can deliver a, a solution. And that varies differently, varies greatly from uh, what was happening in those superhero days. So in the same way that customer success had to kind of do whatever it takes to make those customers successful, well, in the early days, sales basically sells to anybody who will buy, right? And they're, they're not as picky because you just have to get revenue in the door and it helps with that learning process. So I think one of the, the interesting things is how do you start to identify when to tell customers no um, because they're not a right fit and how does that change kind of the overall focus of the the sales and customer success organization as it moves forward yeah there's um, a couple of so there's a couple of good points there like one one about how do you reverse engineer success from uh from what you're seeing uh in, in terms of what what customers have been successful i don't know kathleen have you got any kind of examples or, or, or thoughts on how you've how you've seen that work in in, in either where you are or, or where you've been yeah, actually, um, so a few thoughts about that. I, I'd actually love to dig in a bit more about, you know, Drew, you were mentioning the, the different variables that indicate customer success, um, but it would be super interesting to dig in a bit about how you identified those variables and really how did you correlate those variables to either adoption or attrition. Um, but I think one of the you know, just just a few sort of examples from from our own evolution here, and um, that we've kind of focused on are you know doing just just having a really good methodology <clears throat> to and a, and a you know for lack of a better word a regular cadence where you bring together your leadership team, 
to, from across the entire organization to look at what drives customer success. So we have um, a, a regular biweekly meeting that um, it's called the must succeed meeting. And in that there's, um, we do take it from the perspective of a case study per customer, if you will. And so there's certain aspects of the, of these case studies that are pretty consistent. Um, you know, really talking about um, one, you know, let, let's just get an overview of what the customer does, right? How do they, how do they make money? <laughs> um, and, and what's their product that they sell? And how do we enable that? Um, and then there's, there's factors about, you know, what's been the background. And I think part of that, you know, there's, there's the aspect of looking at the process and the ways in which we engage with our customers. And so digging into the history of the type of customer engagement. Um, but there's also other factors, you know, potential risks and potential opportunities. And we break them down um, and, and really talk about what those factors are. And while I would say that, you know, it's, it's more there there does it's 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 a bit of sort of action oriented or action focused where we might be talking about about a particular customer you know the intent is that over time you start to see trends and you start to see um you know hot spots if you will where there are you know a concentration of issues um as an example you know there are some key criteria around just basics around customer education, right? Are our customers enabling themselves to be successful? Um, you know, it's a, a rather fairly obvious one probably, but um, you know, that that does come up and it's a really good indicator for a CSM or for the company to do something, you know. Um, if you do see that, that situation unfolding within your customer, then there's various um, you know, ways that you can address that just, just as an example. But I think, um, you know, that's, that's been just one kind of just very specific example. Um, but I think it is the, the key is to get leaders from across the organization kind of thinking about it from their lens and how they touch the customer. Um, so having, you know, so having a forum where you're deconstructing successful customers and also deconstructing customers that are not successful to identify some of the things that were starting to happen before they went off the rails. So you have you have those written down. Yeah, the great you know, great great idea, as well as having the perspectives of the different teams, so that it's not just what the customer success team sees; it's what the sales team saw. So you have the whole story. I, I, I really like really like that. Um, Drew, any any kind of additional? Uh, what, what have you seen? What have you seen work in terms of getting that understanding of what should be in your process? Yeah. So I think this one really is is focused on you know what your desired outcomes are. And so an example is you know if an organization is trying to simply retain customers because there's not additional products to sell or um, or growth to happen within within the company um, then there's a a different focus than if you have a product that can grow substantially within an organization um, or you have multiple products to sell and so i think kind of those two two variables are a good way to help look into um, the the customer uh, and and what kind of leading indicators will result in a a successful uh, customer. So, let's say a very specific example is that if you have a a situation where uh, 
you're selling into an organization and you identify that the buyer um, is actually not involved in the process, but you've got somebody that is either tangential or uh, subordinate to that person that's really driving things, but you can never get the uh, executive that's responsible on uh, responsible for the overall product on board, um, then that's a, a situation where almost always you're going to end up finding fighting an uphill battle. And while uh, you can have a process in, in place for CSMs, you're essentially creating um, a scenario where CSMs have to resell the entire product once the initial contract is signed. And so that's a question of, of saying, can you actually close deals? Does it make sense to close deals uh, when you don't have the appropriate buyer involved in the process? Because you then have to look at, are you spending too much time uh, with, uh, with existing customers without that potential um, growth? And so this is where the idea between, you know, do you retain a customer or is there growth for a customer? How uh, did the, it, how did you discover how did you discover the the that that person was key to it all? Was that through analysis of uh, successful people, unsuccessful people? Like how did how did that how did you get to that insight? Yes. So I think the first time first time I saw that was uh, the very early days of VMware. So when I joined there, they they basically gave us or they gave me uh, all of the closed accounts and and said figure out how to make them successful. And and at that point, you know, I looked across the board at the different people and and there were a range of of business owners. From there were some that were VPs, there were some that were. Um, just consultants at, at organizations. And it became very clear that the organizations that had uh, executives who actually owned an initiative um, involved in the process were wildly, were, were extremely successful compared to the ones that didn't. And the, the reason why is that uh, when the executives were on board, they could actually drive change within the organization and without that, every meeting with uh, with other people in, in the company was a resale situation. So, from from my initial perspective, it was there, we didn't have data, we didn't have it was just talking to everybody. But once that became something that um, you know was very clear, that obviously got got put into our sales process of of having executives, and then uh, further along down the line, it was also making sure that there were initiatives tied to the sales process. And, and I think you guys did a, a whole lot more work around that after I, I moved on. Um, but it was something that, you know, having that idea as it being important um, carried through to other organizations to look in to see if that was important um, uh, for adoption and growth over so the, time. So the deconstructing of what, what it looked like was making customers successful by just actually sitting in a room with, with a list of all the customers and what you knew about them made that made that thing made that thing appear what i'm trying to get across to the 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 audience here is sure this is not a difficult thing to do it's it's literally sitting down with what you know about all of your customers and thinking critically about what is it that's really making them successful and the you know some stories that i've heard from from other organizations is that things like engineering data are very very helpful there as well because you can marry the two of them up and it can test some mm -hmm. of your preconceived notions about what it is that is actually making the customer successful because <clears throat> if you're in a customer success org you can lead yourself to the often false conclusion that it's you that's making the customer successful <laughs> um, and funnily enough every single team will draw the same conclusion about it's that they, that it's them that's having the impact um, and so having you know Kathleen's idea of having everybody around the table in that conversation really helps everyone tease out 
who is it you know what is it the the things that are actually having impact and also what are some of the key bits of telemetry that are important so for example within office we know that there's a tipping point that customers get to with a certain level of usage with the product that means that they are one very very likely to renew and two very likely to go on to much higher levels of usage of the service as long as we can get to them to that tipping point and so our service is optimized around that um, in some other uh, some other organizations I know they've worked it out from an end from a you know, to, to the point where they say if a customer has X number of messages in this service they're going to be sticky and so mm. the whole process is optimized around getting people to a certain baseline number of messages and having that sort of insight from from engineering and from uh, from the product teams is really really helpful because then you can say uh, you know based on based on what we're seeing about customers that we would deem to be successful what are the common characteristics in terms of the telemetry that we have from the service that, that relates to that? Is it usage of a particular feature? Is it a certain level of connections to the service? Is it that they've enabled a particular combination of features so that you you've, you end up what you end up doing is producing this this overall picture that says things like successful customers are using features X and Y, they have X percentage of usage of the product, they are typically in these industries, they are typically, they typically have somebody with the characteristics of the person that you talked about sitting in the organization, they can describe why they bought it, like, and you'll, you'll end up with this very simple list of what are the things that are really important, and that's mm-hmm. the basis on which you then build your process. Yeah, it's... it's such an interesting, it's such an interesting problem. We are at the point where we're trying to, <clears throat> where we're continuing to establish benchmarks for what is successful consumption. Um, you know, I thought that we did a really, we had a fantastic approach to it at Yammer where there were just key points where it was, you know, do you have X percent of your, um, uh, of your customer or your user base within a customer utilizing Yammer? And then is there an executive that is engaging, you know, who is that executive and and how can we leverage that? And I think those are, it it just came down to just very basic metrics that really ensured that, um, that you had real success. Um, I think what, what becomes very interesting is, is how do you actually establish those benchmarks with, you know, I, I would imagine there's, uh, other companies that are similar to ours where we can't collect there's certain limits to the type of metadata that we can collect. So getting that type of information can be challenging and figuring out those benchmarks to not just what indicates potential attrition, but at what actually is the tipping point that indicates uh, adoption and expansion. Those are two key areas that um, I'm particularly interested in. I, I'd be curious if, you know, maybe Drew, if you've run into or, or have thoughts around that. Yeah, it's interesting. We so if you look at the way we all of us answered that question, we actually gave a spectrum of answers. So right, from from the highest level, I, I basically said do uh, a manual conversation with a bunch of people and kind of figure out what you see as trends. And then Mike went to the opposite end of the spectrum of you know being able to fully use all the data from product and engineering and and uh, getting into details. And then you kind of had the middle perspective of, well, we actually have a limitation of how much information we're, we can collect, so um, we can't necessarily do all of that. And I think it highlights an important point that every organization is going to have a, a different 
point on the the life cycle of being able to dig into customers and customer data. And the point is you can find insights about your customers, about what makes them successful at any spectrum, at any level of data that you have, um, as long as you have at least one person who has some time to to talk to customers. That right? is then you awesome, can get awesome, awesome point. Um, and to illustrate that, when I first started trying to do this for office we didn't have access to the data on whether people were using the product or not mm. so so we've gone through that maturity cycle over a number of years but at the start we were literally doing it the way you said we were phoning customers up and saying huh, how are you doing <laughs> with the product and think about it if you have on like go all the way back to when we were on premises we hadn't we had no telemetry because our software mm. didn't phone home and so you would have to do that by going and walking around on site of the customer <laughs> and asking them things. So there's, you know, there's, there's levels of research and things that you can do. And what it will do is also, if you apply an engineering mindset of being very intentionally lazy about things and saying, well, it's obviously a waste of time, the fact that I have to keep going to on site to find all this stuff out, wouldn't it be great if we could find some way of introducing telemetry into the product that would help us do this? Then that's where you can use your alliances with the product team to get some of that stuff built into the product over time because it makes everyone more effective and presenting that case to people. And it just gets, I think it just gets better over time as you get more mature with that process. But you can, as you said, literally start anywhere as long as you've got a telephone or some feet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to go back to one of the things you, you'd said that really kind of stuck with me was that when you go to each, when you talk with each of the different departments and even internally and you go, why was this customer successful? Inherently, you're going to come back and, you know, if it's CSM, we're going to say, well, it's the hard work we did to, to make that happen. And marketing is going to go, well, it's all, it's all the product marketing we put in there and they were able to, right, go, go use it to execute on things. And product's going to say, it's because we built this great product. Um, how do you see having those conversations where, each where it's not focused on what each department did, but more focused on the value of, of the customer and, and how they all interrelate. <laughs> Kathleen, do you want to take that one? <laughs> so interesting. Um, you know, I think, I think that the, it, it goes back to, you know, really defining your customer's journey and mapping out the points where every department has a role to play because every department in their own right is is accurate that they influenced customer success and they had a hand to play and i think that point. it's a really it's a really good thing that every department says well i was the reason why you know because that that clearly shows ownership right mm -hmm. um, and shows ownership of the customer journey so i think it's i think it's super critical to identify those points within the journey where those those departments touch the customer. Um, I think there are some fairly obvious points where the the each of the teams you know intersect with the customer, where there's an opportunity for each of those teams to intersect with the customer. Um, and I'm talking specifically about you know the earlier parts of the customer's journey. What I'm actually interested in is hearing about, you know, once a customer becomes more, I'd say seasoned, um, you know, they've been on the software, they've been live for at least a year, um, you know, how do you, at what point do each of these 
teams interact with the customer to keep them to, to ensure that they are as excited as they were when they first purchased the product and how do we maintain that excitement and then um, also ensure that they are aware of all of the other opportunities that they have in front of them. Right, and that, that sounds like a fantastic tee-up for a future topic, um, <laughs> given that we're not, we are not going to do that one. That, we're not going to do that particular one justice in five minutes, but, cause it's, <laughs> but it's, a great, it's a great a great topic to talk to. I like I, the, the, the points you made there, I think, are right on around how do you... <clears throat> how do you how do you make sure that everybody's doing this in service of the customer? That's that's absolutely you know uh, absolutely great. It's great to great to be able to have that as an idea to push towards, but also to recognise that people will uh, because people are human. They'll always they'll always going to search for their own relevance in any any given situation. So they you always you will get this ongoing tension between various teams as to who it is this really driving success of the customer and being able to abstract that and say well what is it what are the ingredients that make customers successful what are all the pieces that we have that contribute to that and get it abstracted from ownership and just draw the whole thing out in kind of this customer journey of like well there's this thing in the product and there's this thing that marketing are doing and there's this thing that the customer success person does it's it's really fascinating to draw that out if you haven't done it before because one of the things you'll find if you've never drawn one of those and you're not being intentional about the design you'll have a ton of overlap you'll be like oh well there's this thing in the product that says the customer should do x but when the customer success person turns up they say you should do y and y is the opposite of x and so we should probably fix that and so you end up you end up having these great conversations about how the overall customer success journey and the role that everybody should be playing in it is not properly tuned and in the first place that tends to appear is as drew was starting to say is in in the point where the customer success organization will presume that customers come in with a certain level of quality but i can pretty much guarantee that's not how sales are selling it <laughs> yeah yeah i, I want to go back a, a little bit to kind of the, the point that Kathleen made of um, kind of the the customer map and and each each department saying that they they were successful and, and they they did own that um, and I think that's a, a great point bringing back to the topic of this podcast of saying how do you go from you know magicians to a scalable process and and I think the one of the first steps just like you're talking about Mike is is running this practice of um, actually taking these lessons learned from, from each department and doing that exercise. But going back to a previous podcast, we, you also want to make sure that this isn't a, a situation where you go, okay, we, we're making this shift. Now let's go get marketing and product and sales. Let's all sit in this room and let's map everything out. And we're going we're gonna to figure out what, what this thing looks like. I think we, you still have to be um, considerate of the fact that it's an iterative journey, but starting in a, a smaller place um, and and picking out what's existing today from each of those departments is a great way to go from, from magic to starting to put process in place because it'll be, you'll have the opportunity to iteratively go through and find those overlapping places and start creating uh, ownership and process around that so that when marketing says, hey, we, we influence this point, you can actually say, yeah, that's your ownership and here's how we're measuring it and great job and here's sales of getting good customers in and right and going through that and, and really being able to say, yeah, everybody did have a hand in it and here's how, how they did. 
yeah and and i like the i i i like the reminder that customer journeys on don't have to be this multi-month project with everyone in a room forever you can do it on the back of a cocktail napkin and that can be a start mm -hmm. um but the important thing is that you do start um and so i want to just uh want to just summarize some of the points that we, we talked about here because really the main point we're making is that if you are if you're serious about scaling a customer success organization, one of the most important things is to understand what it is is making your customers successful and then build your whole process around that. That insight can come from lots of different places and it's important to get all of the people who have impact or touch the customer engaged in the process, although you don't have to massively over-engineer that, but they will all have different perspectives and different insights. And so getting their views and their perspectives on what it is is driving the success of the customer will help inform your viewers to what are the ingredients that you need to put into your customer success process. It will also very likely give you insights into areas where the process between teams could possibly be better. But the most important thing we want you to take away from this is you can start doing this today. Even if you have no telemetry, you can do it by walking around and going and talking to customers and trying to understand that. And that's the key first step to making some of this work. In future episodes, we'll try and go into some of the detail of how do you do things like customer qualification? How do you actually build this process out? How do you solve problems like getting customers to actually talk to you in the first place? Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of great uh, great areas we can dive into here, um, but we, are, uh, we don't want to take up too much of your time as listeners. So uh, we'll close this one out here. But again, once again, to all of you, thank you for listening. And if you have any thoughts or questions or comments or suggestions for things that you'd like to hear us cover here, please do let us know. Uh, we are on Twitter, as always, on at CSM Successcast. And thank you once again for listening. Thank you so much to Kathleen and to Drew for your uh, insights and, and, and thoughts as always. And we will speak to you again next time. Excellent. Thank you. Excellent. Thank you.